Hey, we kicked off this series a few weeks ago. This is the fourth and final part. We've covered a lot of ground throughout the month of October. Let me kind of give a review in case you happen to be new or just joining us in this series. In part one, we kind of went over some things that we are doing the best we can here at Forest Park to change and to tweak and to kind of laser focus in on. And this is just a, obviously a very quick review. This was in, in uh, the entire message of part one. But we want people over place, diversity over conformity, purpose over popularity, love over fear. And in part one, we answer the question, why a series on church right now? I mean, with all the stuff going on, you know, throughout our nation and around our world and all the pandemic and the pain that people are going through on a personal level, why are we talking about the church? Why an entire month dedicated to the identity of the church? Well, we covered a lot of that in the message and I answered that, but one of the things that we pointed out in part one is that we passionately believe the local church is the hope of the world. And then in part two, Preston came and he said, okay, now that we understand a little bit about who we are and where we're going as a local church, let's talk through God's covenant with the church or God's relationship to the church and our covenant or our relationship with one another. And we learned that both of those relationships, God's relationship to us and our relationship with one another, should be built on not, that it's non-discriminatory, unconditional, and held together by Christ's blood. Now, in those first two parts, we answered several critical questions about the church's identity. We answered these three questions. Why the local church? What kind of local church are we? And how do we relate to one another within the church? Then, in part three, I came back last week and answered one additional question, and that is, what should the local church be doing? In other words, what's our mission? What's our purpose? Why do we gather on Sunday mornings? Why do we train teams? Why do we have a worship band? Why do we do this? And on and on. And we walked our way through the mission of Forest Park Church. I mean, we went word by word through the mission to help people follow Jesus one step at a time. So if you miss any of those first three messages, I cannot stress enough the importance of going back and listening to the messages because each one of the messages and everything we said in each of the messages critical to understanding who we are, what our identity is, what we're about, what we're trying to accomplish, how we can partner with you, how you can partner with us, how together, collectively, we can accomplish amazing things. So today, we wrap up the series, and we're going to do so by answering one final question, and that is, how do we get it done? We've talked about the mission, we've talked about, you know, what we're trying to accomplish, but the big question hanging over us is how do we do it? I mean, I'm talking about the details of it. How do we make it happen? How do we go about accomplishing our overall mission to help people follow Jesus one step at a time? And here's how we're going to do it. I'm going to lay out kind of my plan of the message today so you kind of know where we are as we move into this. I'm going to, first of all, give you the 50,000 feet view. We're going to take a step way up and we're going to take a look at the church overall. We're going to look at it as one large unit. Then we're going to get a little closer and we're going to get on the ground level, talk about how you fit into that, and then I'm going to end the message today by getting up close and personal, all right? So we're going to get as detailed as we possibly can today. All right, the 50,000 feet view. If you stand back and look at Forest Park from a distance, if it were possible to get really high up and look at the entire layout of Forest Park Church, I'm not talking about the building, I'm not talking about the property, I'm talking about the way we do things here at Forest Park. If that were possible, 
I not only want you to see a loving church, a welcoming church, and an authentic church, but I want you to see a simple church, meaning we want to do a few things and do them well. Now, there are many things we do not do, not because those things are not important, but because we can't do some things well. And I would rather do a few things well than many things poorly. And what we want to do well is fulfill our mission, help people follow Jesus one step at a time. Even if we don't do other things well, even if we fail over here or try over there and it doesn't work out well, look, let's just kind of cut our losses in certain areas and focus in on the main thing. Keep the main thing the main thing. We want to make sure that we knock out of the park Knock out of the park the ability to help people follow Jesus one step at a time. Now, I have a confession. I do not know how to create or lead a perfect church. No matter what we do, no matter what we offer, no matter how much we serve and give and try our best, there will always be holes, imperfections, and inconsistencies. Now, if you could roll back time and go back to when I first came here to Forest Park, and back in 2001, and my attempt to begin leading and kind of creating the church here, I think if you would have asked me, Scott, do you think you could create a perfect church? I don't know that I would have settled on the word perfect, but I would have thought, I was pretty confident, I would have thought I could come up with a nearly perfect church. I thought I knew what I was doing. I thought I had most of the answers. I'd figure out the rest as I go, so I could create a nearly perfect church. But I have learned over 20 years there is no perfect church, none. No system, no pastor, no staff member, no leader has all the answers. There is no secret code that if you punch in, you will build a perfect church. It is trial and error, winning and losing, successes and failures, standing and failing, falling. And we do not have all the answers to all of life's problems anyway. And I'm talking about the detailed answers. We are neither that smart nor good. But we have some knowledge and some wisdom and some truth, and some experience. And when you are here inside these walls on a weekly basis, we're going to do everything we can to impart the knowledge we do have, the wisdom we do have, the truth we do have. Now, here's what I know. 95% of your life or more is lived outside these walls. You're only here for an hour or so a week, and that's if you come every single week. Most people do not come every single week. In fact, I was reading just a while back that the average church attender in America attends church 12 times per year. So that is once a month. So it's a very small fraction of time that we dedicate to actually sitting within the walls of the building. So I understand 95, 98% of life happens outside these walls. But what happens inside these walls when you're here matters. If you attend consistently, all right, let's just kind of settle on 5%, okay, 5% of your time of your life spent here, it affects the other 95% there. Think of it like this, school. Most all of life happens outside of school, but what happens inside of school matters for all of life. A doctor's office, 99% of your life happens outside. But what goes on inside the doctor's office in just a few minutes that you have with a doctor can be a matter of life or death. 
Look at counseling. Maybe you only go to a counselor once a week. Some people go to a counselor every other week. So an hour a week or maybe a couple of hours per month. But yet every single bit of your life is affected by what happens just in that hour or two you have with a counselor throughout the month. So we should never minimize what occurs within these walls once a week or a couple, three times per month. One hour, once a week impacts all the other hours of your week. So here's the question. What goes on inside these walls? What happens? If it's so important and one hour can make a difference in someone's life, what happens? Well, that in and of itself is a series. There's no way we can outline everything that goes on within these walls. But I want to take one part of what we do, and hopefully this entire series has answered some of those questions, and we'll revisit this as we move through other series in this year and also in the year to come. But what I want to do is just kind of pull the curtains back this morning and get as direct and as clear and as transparent as I possibly can and let you see inside the inner workings of what we're trying to accomplish and how we're going about accomplishing our vision and mission here at Forest Park, all right? So what I want to do is talk about our strategy. Now, that doesn't sound really exciting, but hopefully I can make it a little bit more exciting. What is the strategy at Forest Park? How is it that we go about trying to help people follow Jesus one step at a time? Behind the scenes look, if you will. The very first thing that we attempt to do at Forest Park is attract people. I mean, it's impossible to help people follow Jesus one step at a time if there are no people. So the very first thing, the front thing that we attempt to do is attract people. Now, when I say attract people, I do not mean through silliness or gimmicks or bait-and-switch tactics. I'm not talking about slick presentations designed to amuse and entertain. I mean we create environments that are attractive to people who often find church unattractive. And what I mean by attracting is creating environments that are comfortable, clean, and compelling. We want every environment in this church to be comfortable. I'm talking about seating. And some of you are so comfortable, you're snoring right now, okay? So we're winning already on the comfort level, all right? We want our parking lot to be easy to get into, easy to get out of. Our lobby, our coffee, that we air conditioning and heating. We simply want you, your students, your kids, your babies to have a comfortable environment. We also want it to be clean, and I'm not talking about just sanitized. I mean clean from distractions and easy to hear and easy to see. I want the children's areas to be safe, and not only do we want it to be um, uh comfortable and clean, but we also want it to be compelling. That means inspiring and engaging and refreshing. We want you to leave here and go, wow, I enjoyed being there. That was refreshing. That was good. So our goal at Forest Park is to create different environments, whether they're for adults or students or kids that are comfortable and safe and easy to get in and easy to get out and refreshing and you feel good when you leave. That's attractive. That's all I mean by attract people. But once we attract people, we have a second part of our strategy that unfolds, and that's to communicate truth. See, it's not enough to have attractive environments. When we have an audience, we have something to say. And we do not back away or water down contrary to what people may say. We do not minimize, but rather we passionately proclaim 
truth. And we do it more than just the message. We do it through music, and we do it through uh, teaching, and we do it through living, and we do it through media. We do everything we can to communicate truth to the audience we have sitting or standing or in front of us at a variety of different ways. And as people are listening and processing the truth, Deciding whether or not they're, what they're hearing should shape their lives. And if so, how should it shape their lives? Then we move into the third area, and that's to provide steps. We provide easy steps, obvious steps, strategic next steps for every single person because that's what we believe. We believe every person has a next step. It doesn't matter if this is your first Sunday at Forest Park or your 100th Sunday at Forest Park. It doesn't matter if you have recently begun to follow Jesus or you're celebrating your 30th year. Everyone has a next step, and we want to provide a next step for you. And maybe your next step is first step that we have this afternoon at 4 o'clock in our lobby. We call it first step so that you don't get it confused with any other step. It's the very first step. And if you show up, we'll talk about what it is to be a part of Forest Park and how we can help you and you help us and we work together and answer questions. And it's just... And if you want to sign up for that, you can. We made it really easy. We've got a sign-up sheet at the information center. Just go by, put your name on there. I think there's a couple questions so that we're prepared for you today at 4 o'clock. Maybe that's your next step. Maybe your next step is to join a group. Maybe your next step is to lead a group. Maybe your next step is to move up your percentage of giving. Maybe your next step is to join a team. Maybe your next step is to go to therapy or counseling. Maybe your next step is to mentor a student. Maybe your next step is to lead a team. I don't know what your next step is. But everyone has a next step, and we want to do everything we can to help you find that next step and take your hand and help lead you in that direction if you so choose. And then part of our next step as staff members, you know, professional Christians, our next step is to train others, lead people. So we we train others through the same thing we're doing. I want to help you and teach you and train you, and I want Preston and and our staff members to help come alongside people and teach them what it means to attract other people and communicate truth and provide steps and train other people to do the exact same thing. I want to see more and more of you move slowly from merely following to actually beginning to lead other people to follow. I want to see you move away from just always needing someone else to lead you, but you start saying, you know what, I don't have all the answers, but I'm ready to maybe lead a few people, maybe lead a couple of people, maybe lead three or four people, and then as you begin to lead, you develop and you become stronger and you learn more and you get faster and other people begin to follow you and actually raise up leaders rather than just raising up followers. Now, we're always going to be a follower because we're always following Christ, and we always have things to learn. But within the body, there needs to be some people who stand up and say, hey, maybe you don't know how to follow Christ, but follow me as I follow Christ. Leaders within the body. Now, that's the high up view. That's the 50,000 feet view. So here's what I want to do. I want to now bring it down to where we live, kind of the ground level. Now, listen carefully. Because we believe Forest Park Church is about helping people follow Jesus one step at a time, And because the strategy involves attracting people, communicating truth to the people who show up, providing steps so that people can move forward toward wholeness, and training other people to become leaders so they can help other people move toward wholeness, because we believe all of that, then here's what I know. 
and I know this with a passion, every single person sitting in this room, standing in this room, watching online, and I say every person, I'm talking about you, so don't shake this off, don't assume I'm talking about the person beside you or the person in front of you, I'm talking about you. I believe every person has unique abilities and passions necessary to fulfill the mission. And every person, you, 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 all the way around this room, everybody online, every person has the financial resources necessary to fund the mission, to fulfill it and to fund it. Let's talk about it. Creating environments that attract others, communicating truth to adults, students, kids, providing easy and strategic next steps for others, training leaders, all of it is difficult and expensive. It requires people and resources. That is all there is to it. I have never seen ever a time that you didn't need people or resources to get anything accomplished, worth anything in life. So let's talk about people. We believe your life will never make sense until you find and develop and fulfill your purpose. We believe everybody has a purpose. And when you find out what that purpose is, your life will move from maybe just a kind of a colorless or bland or two-dimensional life to a full-color, surround-sound, 4K life. Now, you don't have to believe that. But to follow Jesus means you believe your life makes sense only when you move beyond merely existing and you find out why you exist. And there is a big difference in that you exist and that you know why you exist. Check this scripture out. Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's workmanship. You can just put your name in it. For Scott is God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Me? I was created in Christ Jesus to do good works? Yes. And Scott, God prepared those in advance for you. What a great scripture. Do you know what these good works are for you? Now, ultimately, the good works are to reflect Jesus in our overall character. But more specifically, what are the good works that I, that you, have been created to do? Do you know? Most often, we need each other to help figure out what those works are. None of us can come up with the answers to all those questions on our own. It's one of the reasons the body of Christ is so needed. We help one another figure out how we're gifted, how we're wired, what our personalities lend to. We need one another to say, hey, you know what? You're doing an awesome job in that area. You know what? You're gifted in that area. To identify the gifts and to confirm the gifts that we have been given. So here's what I know. Some of you could possibly be a communicator of truth, but you don't know that. You have any idea how many people I sit down with and have a cup of coffee with, or they'll come by the office and we'll talk, and, or I'll go out to dinner with somebody, you know, our family will go out with them, or whatever. We just talk, and I just listen. I've been around this all my life, and I listen to this person, and maybe this, this young lady, she is communicating, and she's talking to her heart and her passion and things that she wants to do in life and how she wants to accomplish. It could be starting a business. It could be going back to school. It could be um, uh, taking care of children. It could, I mean, a whole host of things, and I think, this girl has a gift of communicating, but she doesn't know that. 
Because nobody has ever said that to her. Nobody's ever identified that in her. And yet she has a gift to communicate. It is possible she could be a person who stands up and literally delivers truth and stands on a stage. Maybe not. Maybe not. It, whatever. it might not be a stage. It could be a small group. I don't know. But she has a gift of communicating and she doesn't know that. Some of you could lead a group. Some of you could play in the band. Some of you could lead worship. Some of you say, you know what, I don't want a microphone in front of me. I don't want to have all these people staring at me. Okay, maybe you could mentor a student. Oh, I could never tell a student, you know, how to live or what to, I, I, I could never do that. Well, let me ask you this. Did you ever make some stupid decisions when you were a teenager? Nobody? Everybody, right? Did you learn some lessons from a few of those stupid decisions you made as a teenager? Could you possibly communicate some of the lessons you've learned from the mistakes you made as a teenager? Yeah. Well, there you go. You could look at a 13-year-old girl and tell her, hey, when I was 13, I did this, this, and this. And you know what? When I turned 18, 19, I wish I wouldn't have done this, this, and this. Let me give you some wisdom. Let me give you some guidance. You could look at a 15-year-old young man in the face and say, hey, you know what? I know what it's like to not have a dad in my life. And I know what it's like to have a divorced family. I know what it's like to move all the time. I know what it's like to feel unwanted or uncared for. Let, let me tell you how I've worked my way through that. That's it. You don't have to have letters behind your name. You don't have to have all this knowledge. You could just be a person who mentors a student, somebody who comes alongside and holds a hand or, or listens or whatever. You could be somebody who takes your skills that you have at work and gets behind a camera, sits in our tech booth, works online, answers questions, fixes things. Who knows what? Some of you just have the ability to fund different things within the church because you've been honored in your life and your business has been successful or whatever, and you have the ability to write a check. You have the ability to say, you know what, I can't necessarily do that, but I can pay for you to do that. Find out what it is. Acts 20, 24. However, this is Paul talking. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. Paul the Apostle believed God had commissioned him to complete a specific task. Take the message of Jesus to the Gentiles. And his life would not be complete until he did it. What if? What if? What if? Just, just, just believe with me. Dream with me. Think. What if there is a specific task you were created and designed to accomplish but you are not moving to complete it because you simply have never attempted to find out what it is. And folks, it's not always in the church. I know people I believe have been gifted to teach. And I'm not talking about teaching in the church. I'm talking about teaching students, uh, uh, training other people. I know people who I believe were gifted to start a business and just incredibly blessed to do it. I know people who've started nonprofit. some people who, whatever. I'm not talking about just a stage or just within the church. There's a gifting and a purpose in your life. I would love to see more and more and more people figure out what that is and find that place and hum in it. I mean, do really well. 1 Corinthians 12. Now, God gives us many kinds of special abilities, and there are different kinds of service to God or different ministries. All of you together, all of you together are the body of Christ. And each of you, I should have underlined that, each of you, each of you is a separate and necessary part of it. So together we are the body of Christ, but guess what? The body of Christ is made up of individual parts, individual parts. You're a part, you're a part, you're a part. 
I'm not going to assign you which part of the body you are. There are people I have met that I wanted to assign them which part of the body I think that they were, but I won't do that. We're all different parts of the body. Do we know what the part is and how we're supposed to function within the body? Here's what we absolutely believe at Forest Park, passionately. Every member is a difference maker. It doesn't matter if you have a microphone in front of you. It doesn't matter if you sing and everybody gives you an applause. Or you come in during the week and nobody even knows you were here. But you make the body of Christ move along. And you make it smooth. And you make things happen behind the scenes. And nobody ever seems to applaud you. Every member is a difference maker. Every single task is important. I could not stand and do what I'm doing right now if we didn't have people in the back who come earlier than I do and run the sound and the computers and update everything and keep the computers working when they go out and change the bulbs when they go out and all the different things that happen behind the scenes that you have no idea about. Every single task is important. And I also believe this, every member is a 10 somewhere. Somewhere. You know, you come in and you sit down and kind of watch what I do on Sunday mornings. And you're like, I, I don't know, I, I don't think I could ever stand on a stage with a microphone in front of my face and talk and not be so nervous and scared. And, wow, you have that ability. Fine. I bet if I came to your job, I would be amazed at what you do because I can't do what you do. Let my car break down. I have no idea what to do. When it comes to, you know, all the finances and taxes, I just, somebody else help me with that. When things at my house tear up, you know, I'm trying, you know, YouTube, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to do it. Why? Because everybody's a 10 somewhere. Do you know what that is? People, people, people matter. And we'll never accomplish the task without people. And the second part, resources. We'll never accomplish it without resources. Now, let me be just as clear and as transparent in my heart to yours. Forest Park is entirely, entirely resourced by your generous donations. If you give, we have resources. If you do not, we do not have resources. That's the way it is. No outside stuff happening, nothing else. Every single thing is funded by your generosity, by my generosity, by our staff members' generosity. If more people give, we have more. It's as simple as that. Now, here's what's interesting. When God launched the church in the New Testament, and that's what this whole talk throughout the month of October has really been about, is trying to figure out a little bit more what that looks like and how we can line up to the way it initially was. When he launched the church in the New Testament, there was a system set up to resource the church, fund the church, and it was simple and effective. Let me read this passage to you. This comes from 1 Corinthians 16. Every Sunday... Each of you make an offering and put it in safekeeping. Be as generous as you can. And when I get there, you'll have it ready, and I won't have to make a special appeal. So here are a few things just out of that one verse that we can learn about funding and about giving. Number one, consistent giving. Notice what Paul says. Every Sunday. As clearly as I know how to state it, consistent giving is critical. Now listen, very careful, once you hear my heart, not emotional giving, okay? Not sporadic giving, not guilt giving, not feast or famine giving, but consistent giving. You know what that means? That means it's in your control. Don't let somebody manipulate you. 
Don't let someone put fear on you, guilt on you, condemnation on you. You are consistent. You choose to do it. Nobody can manipulate you if you choose to do it. So this is not about manipulation. I want you to be consistent. It puts it in your hands. It's your money. It's my money. We can do with it what we want to. But notice in the New Testament church, the way the church was funded was consistent giving. Within our culture, North American culture, consistent giving typically means weekly giving. Now, some people choose monthly giving. Absolutely fine. It doesn't matter. But it's consistent, consistent, consistent. Number two, it's generous giving. Be as generous as you can. Generous giving is the way Christians gave in the New Testament. They gave not as little as they could, but as much as they could. Now, let me ask you. This is a personal, private question you answer in the privacy of your your world. If someone looked at how much you freely gave, would they consider you a generous person? That's it. That's just a question you answer. Would they consider you a generous person? So it's consistent. It's generous. And number three, it's prepared. This is really critical. I'm going to let you in on a secret, okay? The way to be consistent and the way to be generous is to plan your giving. Be prepared. Do not allow emotions or bills or guilt or anything sway you. Sit down and decide what you're going to give and follow through. Now, what's interesting is that we have all kinds of things in our life that we prepare for when it comes to giving. I know that my Netflix bill is going to come out at this time. I know that this subscription is going to come out at this time. My cell phone bill is going to come out at this time. All that's prepared. I don't think any of us um, emotionally or guilt give Verizon. I don't know. I feel really bad. You know, I've been having this entire month of, of phone service, and I, I feel really guilty. I think I ought to send them something. No, of course not. Nothing like that works anywhere else. But when it comes sometimes to church, it's about emotion and giving. I want better for us than that. Here's something I came across this week I heard, and I thought, wow, I didn't know it. This is new information for me, all right? There's a number, 27%. Listen to this. Only 27% of people who would call their church home across our nation have a plan to support their church home financially. Only 27%. That means 73% of people who call their church home guilt give, sporadically give, give when there's a really emotional story or the pastor says something or their husband or wife says something. 73% do not plan their giving. Now, here's what I absolutely believe. It's not because they're stingy. Well, it's because people are stingy today. I don't, I don't think it's because we're stingy. We Americans give when tragedy happens. We give when we hear of people who are hurting. It's not stingy. I don't believe that. There's some people who are stingy, but I don't think that's, I don't think that's you. Okay? Well, it's, it's, it's because people don't have money. Well, the reality is we spend money where we want to. So I don't really think it's that we don't have money. Well, it's, it's, it's because people are so cynical, they think all the church wants is money. Well, again, there are some people who think that way, but not, not the people who come here consistently and see the different things that happen here. Well, people aren't grateful. They just take advantage of everything. I don't think that's true either. I think the reason why 73% 
don't give consistently every single week is because they don't have a plan. They just never sat down and said, okay, here's what we're going to do. So what happens is they show up and then they feel guilty when the basket comes by because they don't have anything. So they're like, oh, you know, I need to give something. Or, oh, that's true. It's been a long time since I gave. Guilt, emotion. All I'm saying is make a plan. Make a plan and nobody can manipulate you. Make a plan. Nobody twists your arm. Make a plan. It's not guilt. Make a plan. And this has nothing to do with salvation or love or mercy or grace or God's best for you. It's not about that. It's about planning so we together can accomplish the mission. I want more for this church than to be the average American church-giving church. You know what the, the average American church-giving church is? 27% of the people plan. The other 73% do not. Then when the, somebody stands up and pulls on your heartstrings, you give. Or when the basket comes by, you feel guilty. I want us to be better than that and not be manipulated or try to keep an image up. Let's be better. Let's have a plan. So as transparently as I know how to say it, the only way that we're going to fulfill the mission, the only way we're going to get it done is to join a team, serve, find our place, and plug in and become generous and consistent with our money. That's it. That's it. And, and those of you who might be a little concerned, I'm not receiving an offering. I'm not going to have this, the band come back out and sing a real emotional song and then pass the baskets again. I'm not going to have you promise to make a certain amount of money. None of that stuff's happening. I'm simply teaching what the New Testament taught how to support and fund the mission. That's it. So that's the 50,000-foot view. That's the, you know, that's kind of the ground-level view. Now let's get up close and personal. And you're like, I, I thought you were up close and personal. Well, now I want to get right, right in your face. Say, don't do that, Scott. Here's, here's what I know. Whenever we hear messages like these, we typically have one of several thoughts. The first thought is, boy, I sure wish, and you put the name there, we're, we're here today, because she really needs to get involved and she's not here. Number two, I sure hope people sitting in this room are listening to Scott because I know somebody in here needs this challenge. Or three, I think this message is for me. How am I going to respond? So it's either the person over there, outside, the person in here or the person in the mirror? Which is it for you? Which is it? Now, it's possible some of you are sitting there going, Scott, I already serve faithfully and give generously. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We have only survived through the pandemic because of the generosity and faithfulness of some people. I'm serious. Thank you. But your, but your task isn't necessarily over because you know what? If you serve and you give, you can inspire other people to do the same thing. You have friends. You have people that you know. Hey, come on, join the team with me. Hey, let's join First Impressions. Hey, let's be part of the kids' ministry. Hey, let's join the students. Hey, let's do this. Some of you have friends. You can inspire them to come on board. You can inspire other people to be generous as you are generous. To others of you who say, ah, I'm not really serving, I'm not giving. Look, I just, I want more for you than that. You don't have to don't have to. And nobody's, nobody's going to, you know, we reserve the front seats for the people who give more. No. No. We reserve the front seats for the, for the biggest sinners in the church. Amen? 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 Amen. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. 
Not at all. We want to come alongside more and more people and help them learn what it means to follow Jesus. We want to provide incredible environments for our students every single time we meet and for their friends. We, we, want, we want Preston to be able to pour into their lives wisdom and truth and teach them what it means to follow Jesus at a very critical time in their lives. That takes people and resources. We, we, we want Carla Beth to lead us into better and more authentic and more raw worship and attract more musicians and more people to get involved so they can lead us into more worship and inspire us and engage us and use the song and use the creative arts and all that to worship and to sing and to reach people. That requires people and it requires resources. We, we want to dream about Ecuador again and Uganda again and Kenya again it requires resources requires people. We want to lead our groups better and better and have group leaders and it requires people, requires resources. We want to be more and more helpful with the sermon series and be more creative and more life-changing with the truth and the wisdom. It requires people, it requires resources, on and on and on. But we can't unless we all join a team, get involved and consistently, generously give. See, I don't want to be average, folks. I don't want to be average. I want to go above and beyond. We say, well, Scott, is it going to happen? Are we going to reach the goal? Are we going to reach people? Are we going to do the things? Are we going to help people follow Jesus one step at a time? Are we going to be able to offer those things to students and kids? Are we going to be able to dream again about certain things? Are we going to be able to open up doors? Are we going to be able? Can we do that together as a body? It depends on you. It depends on me. See, there, there is no magic formula. It's not that I dial in a certain formula and everything happens. It depends on us. In some ways, it depends on the parts to determine the quality and the health of the body. Because the body is made up of individual parts. If every single part of your body is healthy, guess what? Your body is healthy. You see? So as every part gets involved and every part gives, the body is healthy and strong. It depends on you. It depends on me. Let's pray. Father, here we are, a group of people who are imperfect. We, we don't have it all figured out. We don't know how to build a perfect church. Father, we, we don't know how to build a perfect marriage. We don't know how to be perfect parents. We don't know how to be perfect friends. We don't know how to be, I don't know how to be a perfect pastor. We have flaws. We have inconsistencies. We think we understand things, and then we realize that we, we didn't understand it as much as we thought. We get ourselves wrapped up in hobbies and habits and addictions and things that are just not necessarily good. They hurt us. Then we do amazing things, and we stand back and go, wow, look at what we accomplished together. We're a group of people who are miracles and messes all at the same time. And Father, we want to be a church that's healthy. We want to be a church moving forward. We want to be a church that's filled with love and acceptance and welcoming. We want to be a church that welcomes all people, cares for all people, but also comes alongside those people and leads them not to follow us, but to follow Jesus and to see his kingdom come alive and this little church, 
in this little city, really in this little country around this whole world. So teach us to be people who say, you can count on me. I'm going to find out where I can serve and get involved. And you can count on me. I'm going to give. I'm going to do the best I can. And together, as our parts come together, the body will be strong. And we can help more and more people follow your son Jesus one step at a time. We don't have to, God. You will love us no matter what. Your mercy is new every day. Your grace is abundant. You gave your life for us when we were in our worst. You don't have to. We get to. Teach us to see that and step up and fulfill our purpose. In Jesus' name.